First of all, I want to read some words that are in keeping with where we have been studying. We've been studying in the life of our Lord some miracles which Jesus performed. Last week we saw a sweet little lady who stole a miracle, who when a crowd of people were jostling about Jesus, stealthily came through the crowd and slipped up to him and touched the hem of his garment. And though her faith was imperfect, Jesus honored her and blessed her so that she was cured. Then he elicited from her a confession, and then he bade her to go in peace. The thought that impressed me most last week, and I received more letters about that than I have a message in a long time, is that there are many people who come to church, but how many really touch Jesus with real faith? A lot of people bumped into Jesus, so much so that Luke says they were almost about to suffocate him. The crowd was pressing so hard. But only one touched him in the kind of faith that brought healing. Are you here today singing the hymns, listening to the words of these sacred rites of the church in such a manner that they cause you to be blessed or is it for you simply a meaningless occasion? Well, right after this happened, Jesus left Capernaum where he had been teaching and he went to Nazareth where he had grown up. And an interesting thing happened there. He couldn't do any miracles in Nazareth because of their lack of faith. He was even shocked and startled by this. When he had gone back, he saw so little, so little in the way of real faith he could have done much more. He had already wrought works of great mercy there. And yet he had to say that he could not do many great works in that place because of their lack of faith. And then Jesus, when we pick up his ministry, we find him sending out his apostles. And I thought this was appropriate for the ordination of elders and deacons. Every single member of a church ought to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. He nowhere commanded us to go into all the world and make church members. That's the trouble with the church now. We've got too many members and too few disciples. A disciple is a learner. And he learns to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, his mission, what he came into this world to do, to reveal God the Father, for he is God incarnate in human flesh, to take away sins, to destroy the works of the devil, to prepare for his second coming again. We have said in the assumption of sacred vows today that we accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments as the infallible word of God. The word of God and is our rule of faith and life. And if words have any meaning, then those scriptures ought to speak to us 
about the realities of heaven and the reality of hell and the urgency of taking out the message of the gospel and of what God can do in and through servants who are yielded to him. It's high time that the church either junked its message and took on some manifesto and honestly admitted to it or quit playing with words and believe what the scriptures teach. Well, Jesus looked at the multitudes, and in this time of Christian witness, this mission season, these words are most appropriate. Here is where we pick up the account we've been studying. Jesus went round all the towns and the villages teaching in their synagogues and announcing the good news of the kingdom, curing every kind of ailment and disease. The sight of the people moved him to pity. They were like sheep without a shepherd. An elder is an under-shepherd. I am a teaching elder. We have ruling elders. Deacons are like stewards who are watching over a flock. Jesus said they were like sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless. And he said to his disciples, the crop is heavy, but the laborers are scarce. You must therefore beg the owner to send laborers to harvest his crop. And immediately after this, he called his 12 disciples to them and gave them power. He gave them authority to cast out unclean spirits, to cure every kind of ailment and disease. And then there follows the list of the 12 apostles. The word apostle is someone who is sent with a message. We have the most important message in all the world. Paul speaks of those who bear this message as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And he is right in line with what Jesus is teaching here. Jesus is teaching that those who belong to him have an authority and a dignity that is conferred upon them. They are representatives of the Most High God, not just a part of a Mickey Mouse organization that's a mimeographed jungle with a bunch of bureaucrats shuffling papers but where the power of the Holy Spirit is flowing through individuals and where men's lives are changed and hearts and minds are changed and lives are yielded consciously to his lordship. I always will be grateful to God for the ministry of Dr. Nelson Bell in this congregation. And I think he would have been greatly blessed had he been here sitting in one of these pews today, and I'm sure he is blessed in heaven having watched it, to see the caliber of these men who have come to these sacred offices, to know some of the things that I as minister know that you as members of the congregation may not be aware of, of the things which they do in private and the witness which they bear in their life, and how pleased I am to see that God has called them to these offices. If you could have been last Sunday afternoon in the study, 
when each one of these men gave his experience with Jesus Christ, what an inspiration it would have been to you to have heard some of them speak of how Christ had touched their lives and how he had changed them. This was an inspiration to all of us who were there. And I felt the power of God in that room. Well, here Jesus sends these forth, and they are commanded to take this message of heaven. He gives some strange commands to them. He says, provide no gold, silver, or copper to fill your purse, no pack for the road, no second coat, no shoes, no stick. The, wor the worker earns his keep. That's interesting, isn't it? Last year I had two fellows who showed up here at Montreat. They had on long bathrobe-looking things with a robe around them and a little tube on one side that they told me that was script, uh, uh, that uh, they were following the apostolic tradition, and so they had hitchhiked here, and they had to go up and see Dr. Billy Graham to deliver a message from the Lord. And uh, I talked a little bit with them. Now, Jesus sent these out show, so that they would know to depend upon them. They would receive hospitality in their homes. But Jesus says here, the worker earns his keep. Paul was a tent maker, and he earned his keep. When Jesus speaks again to these disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he recalls the time that he had sent them out, he asked them if they lacked anything, and they said no. And he said, all right, now there's going to be a different movement that's going to take place. Now you're going to need some things. If you've got a purse, go get it. He even said, if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. I've often wondered what they wanted with that sword that bothers a lot of pacifists. But that's what it says. Read it in Luke 22. It was kind of hairy days that they were living in. They might have needed one. So things change. But one thing does not change, and that is the commitment to his lordship. He warns them about suffering through which they must pass. He says, you're going to suffer. You're going to be imprisoned. In fact, every one of those 12 men suffered for Jesus Christ. And when you stop to think about the Apostle Paul standing before Felix and Festus and Agrippa, manacled and in chains, didn't they suffer for Jesus? He said, look, I send you out like sheep among wolves. Be wary as serpents. Be innocent as doves. We're to show wisdom and we're to show gentleness. He knew that they would be handed over to courts and be tried. But he knew that the Spirit of God would give to them words to say in such an hour as that. And when I think of believers in the Lord Jesus who suffer for him today in China and in Eastern Europe, all of this is coming true and it's coming to America. You see right now on the television screens people ridiculing Jesus. This blasphemy is going to increase. We've had a, a revival, and Satan will see to it that there is a reaction. 
and there will be trouble that will come. I believe with Dr. Elton True Blood that in the future there may be fewer Christians, but there are going to be better Christians. There are going to be people who take seriously the claims of Christ and who know it. He also brings to us the comfort. He says that though two sparrows may be sold for a penny, yet without your father's leave not one of them falls to the ground. And as for you, even the hairs of your head have all been counted, so have no fear. You are worth more than any number of sparrows. And then he says these words which have been a tremendous encouragement to me. Whoever then will acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. And whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Are you ever tempted to be ashamed of Jesus? Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I get the idea from certain sectors today, even in the established church, that certain people think that the gospel is really not relevant anymore and that they can dream up some social and economic programs that are a vast improvement over what Jesus has set down. Well, they haven't come up with it. What we need happens to be men and women whose lives are changed by the power of God. This is why the corruption and the evil exists. There are people whose hearts are not under the conscious lordship of Jesus Christ. And no degenerate legislator will ever come up with a plan that will improve on what Jesus has said. And if there was ever a time in which we ought to be faithful to acknowledge Jesus Christ and to be proud of the gospel, then that time happens to be today. When I think of that and that decision which has been made by these men who came, and by those who take seriously the commands of Jesus Christ, I want to call your attention to one who took those commands seriously and whose life reflected it in our midst here. This is a beautiful booklet which has been prepared in memory of Dr. Nelson Bell. The front of it printed in gold says, Dedicated to the glory of God and in loving memory of L. Nelson Bell, man of integrity, man of compassion, and man of prayer. I do not believe there is one person here who knew him who could deny that. I have seen him come to our meetings of the session when he was so tired or ill, when many burdens were upon him, and yet he pushed to make himself be there. He spoke like a prophet, at the 112th meeting of the General Assembly when he delivered his sermon as the retiring moderator. There is no more fitting way to conclude this service today than to cite his words. Let me say now that if you would like a copy of this booklet, you can have one after this service by coming here to the front. Listen to the words of a man who believed the gospel and who is with Jesus today. This is what he testified 
as a layman, think of this little Montreat church. We've had three commissioners to the General Assembly and one moderator of the General Assembly. On the day of Pentecost, when Christ's promise of the Holy Spirit was fulfilled, plain ordinary people had their lives completely changed so changed that all those about them could hear and see and sense the difference. Some observers asked, what does this mean? Others said they are drunk. But the Apostle Peter said, these men are not drunk. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. I have been told that I am the oldest man ever to have served as moderator of this denomination. I will be 79 next month, and I have a dream a dream of a transformed and revitalized church that once more emphasizes those things which are of eternal importance, the things that God gave to the church on the first Pentecost. One, the calling on the Lord for salvation. Two, the mighty works and wonders performed by Christ. Three, the death of Christ's Son. God's Son, Jesus Christ, the witness to that fact of the resurrection, the conviction of sin, the repentance from sin, the need for God's forgiveness, which is to be had through faith in Christ, the wideness of God's offer, that this promise is to you and to your children. Have we gotten away from the simplicity of the gospel and the need it meets for all who believe. What Dr. Bell said is worth our reaffirming today, to go back to the verities, the truths of the Christian faith, to know these saving truths and their life-changing ability to transform us. Last week, I talked to a man who is an alcoholic. I told him about another alcoholic who has, by the grace of God, now been sober for almost a decade. And how this man said that he could never forget that once he listened to the message of the gospel, that he started to go down to an Episcopal church. He was an altar boy in the Episcopal church when he was a little boy. He said he got there and he was ashamed for his friends to see him go in a church. But he walked across the street and went into a liquor store. He said as he came out of the liquor store with his bottle of whiskey, he thought, why was I ashamed to go in the church when I wasn't ashamed to go in the liquor store? Then he put his pride behind him. He became no longer ashamed of Jesus, but admitted to his need of him. And God changed his life. And he is today a real witness 
to what God can do when Jesus comes and reigns inside a person's heart. That was what happened at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. This was the message that one of our elders has called our attention to and which we need to reaffirm today. Let us stand in prayer. O oh God, our Heavenly Father, we rejoice in the responsibility which you have given to us because it bears with it a great reward. We know that our Lord Jesus taught us that not even a cup of cold water given in his name would go unnoticed and unrewarded by thee. We know that he that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet receives a prophet's reward and that we who labor for Jesus will be paid handsomely and already are because of the joy that is ours in seeing salvation come to others. Freely, freely you have given unto us. Freely, freely help us to give unto others of ourselves in devotion and service to thee. Make of us true disciples. Make of us true learners that we may grow in our knowledge of Christ, that we may grow in our commitment to his conscious lordship, that we may grow in such Christ-like conduct as shall reflect the fruits of the Holy Spirit adorning our lives in a way that bring honor to your name. Bless, O oh God, our hearts and minds by these thoughts which have been ours on this occasion so that we shall, in union with those who have gone on before us, be faithful and true to Jesus all the days of our life. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, our keeper and guide, be and abide with you all, now and forevermore.